Hello and welcome along to the Scottish Music Centre series of podcasts in tune. My name is Keith Beatty and today I've got the absolute pleasure of welcoming Paul Sullivan, who is the Chair of SoundLab and the Co-Project Manager of Music Cares. How's it going, Paul? Very good, Keith. How's yourself? Grand eye. Thanks. Thanks. I guess one of the reasons, Paul, I wanted to have you on board the, the podcast was really to sort of shine a big light on what caring experience is and what it means to be caring experienced. And I think for many that's a, a term that they might not know anything about. So it's really to, to hear from, from you what that is. Like, what does it mean, care experienced? Care experience is a term that care experienced young people define. So it was defined by people who had experienced care. Um, the technical legal term to, is looked after. So a child becomes looked after uh, and, and, and state care effectively. Um, but that sounds quite jargony in itself. You know, and I think that led to, to children, young people being called lack kids and things like that. So there's a, there's a stigmatising element to it. So they, as a, as a collective um, and as a community, which is a really, a really strong community now with a really co- coherent voice, um, asked to be kind of known as care experienced. So that's where the term care experienced young people comes at. People who have experienced state care. Sound Lab, we do a lot of work with care experienced young people and I also work for an organisation called Celsius. Um, which is the Centre for Excellence for Children's Care and Protection in Scotland. Um, so, yeah, kind of embedded across care experience in, in a couple of roles and, and, and can maybe speak about some previous experience of that as well. Um, so how did that, how did you end up working with care experience? And, like, from your school life, what, what did you do when you sort of left school and what influence made you want to work in that role? Um Quite a long and, and I don't know if it's a coherent journey, but I'll try and explain it anyway. Um, so I studied uh, social science and politics at uni, so I've always been been interested in political issues, effectively, and, and, and societal issues. Um, and I then was working for, for Royal Bank of Scotland, actually, in direct lines. I worked in the, the private sector and I worked in, in change management, so involving people who had experienced a service and the kind of redesign of those services. And that's something that I've actually kind of built on in, in my roles with care now as well. So I mentioned earlier about, you know, care experience voice being really important. I think it's absolutely essential that care experience people, people who've experienced care should be involved in, in redesigning how care should be experienced for other young people. So mm-hmm. kind of transferable skills basically that I've taken from the private sector into, into working within care. And, and, and I, you know, I, I love my, my job working for ABS. I kind of hated what I was doing it for. So I just wanted to do it for something that had some sort of social value. And I'd always done loads of volunteering and, and things like that. So I kind of just wanted to work in, in this sector and, the, and the, effectively the charity sector initially. So working with organisations like Princess Trust and then, yeah, just become really, really just care a lot about care effectively. So I managed to get a role with working with, to support care experience young people. And what, why did, with the music, where did that come from? What was the, the interest in music? Is that something you've always been interested in? Yeah, always interested. Usually, three main interests in life: football, travelling, and, and uh, music. And, <laughs> and I'd uh, done football coaching in, in, in terms of volunteer work when I was younger. Um, but I'd, I'd had to give up football at quite a young age just due to an, an injury, and I ended up, as you do, just kicking the ball about anyway when you were coaching the kids. So I thought I, I can't can't be doing this. I can't be doing it to my body anymore. So uh, I thought, well, I'm interested in interested in music, so I'll do some volunteer work within music as well. So. That's how I kind of came to the sound lab. Yeah. And do you play an instrument, Paul? No, I don't. I mean, that, yeah. that's 
often feel semi-embarrassed in saying that, you know, because uh, caring a charity that supports young people into music, but I don't I don't play in for myself. And I suppose part of the, I always kind of felt, you know, it wasn't a, a came from a, a great family and things like that. I'm sure they would have supported me and that if I wanted mm-hmm. to do it, but I always just kind of felt it just wasn't for me. And whilst I loved experiencing music and listening to music, mm-hmm. just something I never thought maybe I could take up. And I think that's like, there's a kind of Scottish thing to that. And, and, yeah. The West of Scotland thing that was a kind of this isn't for me type of type attitude. So part of the ethos of sound labs is getting people to give it a try, you know. And mm-hmm. like I do, I do kind of muck about, I suppose, with some production stuff. But it's just just for my own purposes, you know. I don't do it any any professionalism or any sort of skill. And you mentioned traveling there. Like I've noticed, and I know your last job. I think used to make a wee joke about it about getting out of office from you, like. Um, what sort of what places do you sort of have you been that you've really enjoyed, and is there places left in your list that you really really want to see? Is that my, is that my nickname, Mister Out of Office? <laughs> I um, oh yeah, I just I've always loved that. Just since, since you know, even when I when I when I finished school, I just saved saved up my part time working and pay for rent money and things like that from, from before, and, and went traveling and that. So I've always just just loved seeing new places and experiencing new places, but. Uh, I think we talked about Tokyo, so it's in Japan, uh, maybe about this time last year. Just absolutely loved Japan. I'll go back there in a second. Um, really want to go. I'd, I'd love to be in Buenos Aires right now. I think just mm-hmm. after Maradona's death, just I think it would be, sure. well, maybe not right now because we can't we can go to Boca Juniors game and have a full <laughs> stadium, but I think to, to go somewhere like that would just be unbelievable. And I could, I can just see the, the, the steak and wine as well. But the food in Buenos Aires is just unbelievable. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind getting back there. Ah, that's a good shout. That's a good shout. And then, so, but with SoundLab, like, where did SoundLab come from? What was the, the driving force setting that up? And, and what do you do there? What happens at SoundLab? So, SoundLab's been going since 2003. So, I, I didn't set SoundLab up actually. And I mm-hmm. wanted to give a wee bit of credit to the kind of founding trustees of that. So, a guy called Kevin Carroll and Pauline McCulley, they set it up um, in Toll Cross initially in East End, uh, in Glasgow, and in memory of that. Uh, a local guy, you know, a guy called Kevin, who, who tragically died on holiday. So um, they wanted to set something up that was of benefit to the Toll Cross community. Um, and, and due to, to various life and, and circumstances, kind of weren't able to, to take it forward um, maybe about 10 years ago. So um, Kevin Carroll had, had, a, had a baby and, and wanted to step down. So I'd come on initially as a volunteer um, and then was a, a trustee. And then since since Kevin stepped down, I've, I've taken on chairing responsibilities, which was, uh, I don't know, maybe about five years ago, something like that. And what we've tried to do is is, is just keep keep the ethos of that. So, you know, we, we essentially believe that music has a value and an intrinsic importance and, and believe that it matters. So what we try and do is provide free music workshops to, to any community that could benefit, really. Um, we do we do a lot of kind of targeted work with with care experienced young people as, as we talked about, but also young people with with disabilities, adults with disabilities, children, young people from an asylum or refugee seeking background, um, or just any any community basically that could could benefit. So um, it used to be just based in Tollcross, but now we're we're kind of fully national and and well across Glasgow and Greater Glasgow as well. So we've managed to kind of grow things just with a small team of volunteers in, in quite a short space of time. That's an amazing, amazing project. Um, and, and during, like, when the start of the COVID pandemic, remember we spoke on the phone when we were sort of speaking about how we were going to adapt what we were doing and and you were going to do something very different. Like, what was what was it you did that was very different, if you remember? 
I well, I suppose as we were, as everyone was just trying to, to get through this initial first lockdown and wonder what the hell was going on, um, we we thought, well, let's try and we'll try and set up some online tuition um, and doing some online tutorials and that sort of thing. But in the meantime, like let's just try and help communities who are particularly isolated as well. So, um, and and keep our tutors going as well. So whilst we are run by just a small team of volunteers, we we, we our tutors are the expertise. So so they are paid. You know, a, a, a musician union rate because they bring the, the, the expertise and, and the skill in, in, in terms of teaching, uh, not just as, as artists, but being able to translate that into you know into an environment where people can engage with it. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to keep them going as well, I suppose, because you know, like like the music industry has been decimated by this, hasn't it? And you know, so many artists have lost their, their touring income and things like that. So we, yeah, we first few months of lockdown, we, we as well as setting up the online tuition. We also helped out some other charities who are helping people in, in Glasgow. So um, a charity called Food Chain helping deliver um, food to the elderly uh, and also a community shop called Maslow's who were just delivering food to people from a refugee and asylum seeking background. Um, just keeping people afloat, essentially. Um, yep. So just tremendous work from our volunteers and, and I'm really, really proud of the effort that they went into. But I just think that so many people have just been kind of left by the pandemic and, and you know state support just hasn't been there for so many people so some of these some of these food deliveries were really really essential stuff and things like nappies and things like that for uh, for new parents so um i and, and as i say we in the meantime we're also setting up online tuition which is kind of actually gone from strength to strength so we're, we're busier than ever um and it's also allowed us to, to kind of reach new communities that we might not have done before so whilst some young people have been you know, more isolated during during this. If we've been able to set them up with tuition, it just keeps that one relationship that's that's there for them and maybe the only relationship that they'll have outside maybe a statutory service, for example. So it's been great. And and uh, I, we've even like just done pretty creative stuff like lent out instruments to, to young people as well so that you know breaking down that barrier. We've as I said we worked with a lot of young people from asylum seeking background. So we uh, we've employed interpreters to take part in the workshops as well for young people who are, you know, fairly new to English. So mm-hmm. just that whole ethos, I think, of just trying to remove any possible barrier to people accessing creativity. We've just tried to kind of live, I suppose, during the pandemic as well. Well, yeah, no, it's things that, you know, other people would normally just take for granted. Um, so that's, that's exceptional, Paul. Um, and the stuff from the care review, like that exceptional body of work that came out as a care review, and now you're back at Celsius, like, what do you do there? What is Celsius? What was the care review all about? And and what other things have brought you to that point? Sure. Uh, yeah, well, the, the care, care review came about. Uh, I spoke about the you know, care experience voice. The care, care review came about, came about because of campaigning work from children and young people and, and adults who experience care, mm. who just said quite clearly and articulated quite clearly that, that care needs to improve, and, and it does. Um, and there's loads of pockets of amazing care out there, you know, and, and people doing amazing work, but too often it's, it's still not good enough for, for young people who experience care. So they campaigned for it and, and the, the First Minister announced this review of the care system, which was going to be driven by the voices of those who experienced it. So I had a compl- totally privileged role um, leading the participation work at the care reviews from ensuring that children, young people, families, carers, anyone basically who could have an impact uh, or be affected by care would have a say in, in the redesign of it. So um, that's what the care review was was about, was, was hearing from all those perspectives and all those voices about what needs to change and, and 
published its uh, findings in February this year um, and 2020. And um, Scottish Government have committed to fully, fully incorporating every single recommendation that's been made by, by the care review, which is tremendous. And there's now a, a promise, it's called to keep the promise. Mm -hmm. And there's a promise team that's been set up, which is temporarily uh, held by Scottish Government, uh, hosted by Scottish Government, sorry. Um, and they're they are just starting off their work just now. They're, they've just finished off some recruitment and are starting to embed that work. And the organisation I work for now is Celsius, which I've very kindly allowed me to second across to the care review. We're one of, of many organisations who are essentially trying to embed the promise in our own work. So we support uh, the workforce who support care experience young people. So we do a lot of work with social workers, educators and carers. So we're just trying to think how, how best can we embed the promise in our work? And part of that is, is ensuring that, that children and young people have a say in the decisions that affect them. You know, that's still a huge, huge aspect of, of, of if our work itself is, it needs to be a huge aspect of, of care going forward because too often they don't have agency over these decisions in their lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think, like, having my own involvement from working on music cares and, and seeing some of the things close up for the first time, like, I've kind of struggled looking at the some of the hard parts of, of the care system where siblings are split up and people are moved around constantly and they end up, you know, living in four residential units or four residential homes in one year and they're moved around so quickly and there's, it's very difficult to sort of get some kind of relationship with the people you live with or even people around you and um, like what sort of things as a care review noticed about that and is that something they're going to take part and take forward as promise yeah definitely i mean that there's, there's an acceptance and you know arguably there shouldn't have, have had to be a care review to, to recognize that but there's an acceptance that children and young people are still moved uh, home too often, you know, so and and very often they can that can can experience huge huge disruption in their lives, and in, and us as a society trying to prevent from harm can sometimes perpetuate that that harm, um, and the care review and, and the promise have, have, have made really really clear statements around children and young people must be kept kept together where possible, you know, they must be kept in a stable home environment, so we're doing more work to keep families together in the first place. And part of that is around alleviating poverty as well, because poverty exacerbates so many societal issues, as, as we know, obviously, and that can lead to children and young people becoming looked after, becoming care experienced. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of work been doing, been done just now to keep families together, and there's been uh, announcements of funding by Scottish government to help to help do that. It's not just about funding, but that, that obviously contributes as well. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, you met, you mentioned that brothers and sisters being split up and things like that. That's that's still been. The number one advocacy issue that the children and young people have have, um, have spoken to, to advocacy organisations about for the last 40 years. Mm -hmm. So an organisation called Two Care Scotland is, is, is an advocacy organisation and they've done a lot of campaigning work around that as well. Mm -hmm. There's a, a collective between Celsius and um, Who Care Scotland and a number of other organisations called Stand Up for Siblings. And that's about care experience people kind of articulating how they want to be kept together with their, their families. So... Um, it's quite a lot of good work and, and actually recent legislation that's come in to pass this year, um, which puts a duty on local authorities to keep brothers and sisters together wherever possible. So, as I say, things things like that are moving, but they're still still quite a journey to go. Okay, aye. and I think um, sticking with the, the, the care um, system, like, I wonder if you could break down some of the, one of the things, again, like, I found quite confusing with some of the, the jargon and some of the definitions of things, like um, even if I could do it, I'll just give you a list and just if you can break them down so what people can understand what they are. Like what like what is kinship care? 
So kinship care would be looked after by friends or family. So if, if children, young people can't be looked after by their parents for some reason, quite often the, the you know the next step would be for the grand or granddad or something to take on the caring, formal caring responsibilities of that. Right, and that's different from foster care. How is foster care different from that? Yeah, so you get foster care, which is approved foster carer, so there's no family connection to the, the child or young person, but they'll take on uh, the formal caring responsibilities of a child. Right, and then there's the residential care and secure care. What are, what are they? So residential care is, is, is secure care is a form of residential care, and residential right. care is, is, is kind of, as it sounds, it's, it's care homes, and that's maybe what, what people are familiar more familiar with in terms of care, but it's a, a kind of smaller population of, of young people than, than I think the public perception is. Yeah. Um, and it's most mostly children of, of teenagers, teen, teenage age, that are in residential care. Mm-hmm. Um, so secure care is, is where... Um, Children are deprived of their, their liberty um, because they're either at risk of harm to themselves or, or others and have, you know, in, in pretty much most cases experienced very, very significant trauma. Mm-hmm. And that's a common thread that, 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 that is throughout care experience young people. It's, you know, they've had something awful happen to them, you know, and, and you know, care has been to prevent them from harm. And, and in theory, you know, that's what we're trying to do is prevent children and young people from experiencing that harm. But when they're in care, it needs to be the best possible care that we can. And I think, you know, that's partially why there's there's so so much disruption at times as well, as you're trying to find either find support for the family so that children and young people can return back to their families. And mm-hmm. um, maybe that doesn't work out for some reason and they go back into care and you know those those journeys can continue and, and really affect, you know, a young person's just ability to develop and develop relationships as you as you said. So mm-hmm. with with music here, you know, I think it's it's trying to ensure that that we can be a bit of a constant. So we will, if a young person has to move, we, we can move music cares with them. So we can move the tuition with them. It's also just a relationship that they'll have with the tutor that's um, just slightly different, I suppose, to, you know, a, you know, a, a social worker or someone like that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something that I think is, is it's up to them. You know, it's their, it's their relationship and they can choose what they want to learn and how they want to learn it. And, you know, all those type of things that give them a bit of choice and agency. Sure. And when we first met, um, working on Music Cares, and it was still the pilot between Music Plus and Sound Lab. Like, what were your thoughts on that? It's how it ran as a pilot, and and obviously that's completely changed now in some ways, but it's much bigger. Um, like, what's your thoughts on that project now, and what are you looking forward to in the future? Yeah, I mean, I think the pilot showed there was a demand, you know, and I think we set up the program because of some of the barriers that, that you know we'd had that we'd, we'd seen through research. So there was the, the Creative Consortium research that Scottish Music Centre and, and Celsius and others been involved in, but also just like what we'd experienced from, from supporting young people um, in our workshops at Sound Lab as well. We kind of recognised that some of those barriers are systemic, some of them are cultural, some of them are economic, practical, whatever. So we wanted to set something up that just over, overcame every single barrier that was there so one of them being that, that element of disruption so if a young person moves we'll go with them you know we can lend out instruments to young people as well obviously there's no cost to the young person or the service so it's completely taken away the, that aspect of it as well um, and I think we worked with over 200 young people in the pilot and it's just since grown from strength to strength and obviously through support of, of Creative Scotland YMI funding and, and Big Lottery Young Start have allowed us to grow the project in, in a really big way it's now fully national, so I think we're across every local authority in Scotland. I'm not, I've not looked at the numbers today, but I think we're well over 500 young people in, in just the past couple of years alone that we've been supporting. Mm-hmm. But we still want to 
do more, I think, to overcome some of the barriers. And some of those barriers are the cultural ones that I spoke about. And I think that some of our frustrations in, in managing the project is just, you know, some carers, for example, not seeing the, the value of music and, and those systemic barriers around residential care, for example, staff working notice. So you maybe speak to one carer who totally gets that. And then we'll turn up with a session and, and the other carer who's on doesn't know anything about it, you know, mm-hmm. and ultimately it's young people who, who experience that. And so I think there's still more that we need to do to, to kind of overcome those systemic and cultural barriers. And hopefully the work of the promise and, you know, all that work around care will help that. Yeah. But I think we can make a difference in our way as well and, and supporting carers to understand the value of, of music and creativity for, for young people. That might be the only thing that's positive thing that they're experiencing in their life at that time. So I think it's really important that we can make sure that that is an offer that they are aware of and can access whenever they want it. It's amazing just being in this position where we can we can give that positive experience to these this amount of young people in Scotland. It's incredible. Listen, Paul, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today. It's been exceptional catching up with you. Um, brilliant, man. Great to see you. Pleasure. Yeah, good to see you too. And uh, if there's ever a chance to do a round two, we can talk about go deeper into some of the elements of care and, and people have questions around that, I'd be happy to come back to that. And hopefully by that time we've supported loads more young people with music cares as well. And, uh, I can even play some of the music as well. Excellent, Paul. Thanks.